When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Hi, everybody. Todd McKim. Welcome to this edition of Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Bears facing the USC Trojans. Could be the final game for the Bears in the Coliseum with USC going to the Big Ten Conference in a couple of years. And so this could be a bit of a nostalgia game for a lot of people. Uh, but as the, the football team looks at it, I'm sure it's about getting a win, not nostalgia. That's for sure. As we talked to head coach Justin Wilcox a little bit later on, Ricky Correa will join us. The outstanding nose tackle for the Bears will be busy this week trying to stop this powerful and explosive USC offense. All right, coach. First of all, the, the most recent news, Matt Sindrick was uh, named one of the semifinalists for the Warfel Trophy that goes to a uh, one of the outstanding football players who does great community service as well. Poor Matt, uh, out for the rest of the season, was injured against Colorado. I was able to talk to him on the sideline before the game. He said his surgery went well, but he was in a sling. And, but just talk about what he has meant to this team over the course of his career at Cal and uh, him being honored as one of the, the 12 top players in the country in, in community service as well as academics and, and his football prowess. Yeah, well, I think just the nomination tells you a lot. And uh, he's obviously – played a lot of football for us and been a valuable member of the team. Uh, you know, he's uh, elected a team captain by his peers. So he's he's just highly respected by not only the players on the team, but everybody in the football office and the athletic department, anybody that he comes into contact with by, you know, his, uh, you know, what he does on the field, but what he does off the field as well. He's just a fantastic guy. Um, great example for, you know, what we want our, players to be we don't all we don't want them to be all the same but um you know where his heart is and how hard he works and 
the things that he does to help other people has been really impressive. Yeah, he's already graduated with a 377 GPA, working for the Haas School of Business, helping student athletes try to get into the uh, Haas School of Business. So he's done a lot of really, really good things throughout the course of his career. And we certainly wish him all all the best in his future endeavors. And he does actually have eligibility to come back next year, too. So we're not sure uh, whether or not he's already played his final game or not. So it'd be nice to have him back. But uh, that, that's up to him. He's had a great career. That's that's for sure. Let's talk about the, the game against Oregon. You guys did some pretty good things defensively early. You got two picks against uh, Bo Nix, who's, uh, I mean, you got to face it. He's one of the Heisman Trophy candidates, I think, and you'll face another one this week. Quarterback playing this league has been really good. So you picked him off twice. That's uh, 40% of his interceptions for the years. You stopped him twice on fourth down. They've been really good on fourth down. I mean, you, you got after him pretty good in the first quarter and a half. That last that last couple of minutes of the first half and the first minute of the second half, really those spelled the difference in the game, didn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. I thought the guys were competing hard. We got some big stops early, um, a very explosive offense. Um, and then, you know, the end of the half and the start of the second half really uh, changed the the tie there. And, you know, we needed to get – it been nice to, to move the ball down and get some points, a field goal or a, a touchdown at the end of the half and then uh, come out in the third quarter and we're going to need to get a stop, whether it's a fourth down stop – uh, force a punt, something to get the ball back and put another drive together. And I think by that time, if you can do that, then you're into the middle or the late part of the third quarter and the game, the complexion of the game is totally different. We weren't able to, they put the ball in the end zone twice and uh, we weren't able to to catch up. You know, late in the game, uh, and Jack Plummer has been a warrior. He's got going to win the, the medal of honor for his service this year. He's hit, hit a lot. He got injured. A play gets stopped. Tell me what it's like to make that decision where it's almost like a pitcher in baseball and a manager comes out for the first time and says, do you still have your stuff? And the the, the pitcher says, yeah, I still got it. The catcher says, I'm not sure he's got it. How do you make that determination? Because Jack is always going to want to stay in the football game. How how do you decide to make that change if it has to be done? Yeah, that's where I don't you don't. If it's an injury, it becomes obvious. But, um, you know, there are times when that's our job as coaches. It's my job. It's our offensive coach's job is to read the room. And um, you're exactly right. If you ask Jack, uh, do you want to play or not? If 100 out of 100, he's going to say, I want to be in the game. And so there's just times when you, you don't leave it up to them. And that's our job as coaches. And uh, we appreciate Jack's toughness. He has taken some shots this year and he's uh, battling like crazy. He's a competitive guy. And it was also a time to get uh, Kai Milner some some turns. And he did a good job. Two two different circumstances that they were each in. So comparing them is uh, not fair. Or it's it's, it's a difficult to, to do that. But I think Kai did what we would hope he would do, uh, getting his chances in the game late like that. Yeah, he showed the ability to scramble. He's got that ability. Strong arm. He had a nice touchdown pass in the end zone to Monroe Young. And then a long pass down the, the near sideline. To, to Baker, who got his first touchdown. It was good to see him you know, finally uh, get in the end zone, but just talk about the fact that he was able to get a couple of touchdowns and, and feel a little bit comfortable in the pocket. Yeah, uh, I think that's key, just those game reps. Uh, again, it's one thing to do it in practice against your own guys, but game reps um, are invaluable. And he, like I said, he did what you would hope he would do, uh, given an opportunity like that uh, in that situation. And so, We'll want him to build on that and keep him ready to go. 
does he get any more reps in practice or do he continue to, and what is the percentage this time of year, though four games to go, what is the percentage you would give your starting quarterback versus maybe your second quarterback? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it doesn't change a lot. You know, Kai gets the same, but he, we get, make sure he gets a lot of, a lot of repetitions in practice, whether it's team seven on seven, because we can also, unless we have limited numbers at receiver or defensive back or somewhere that doesn't allow us, we will still always want to continue to develop the players on the team and especially the quarterback. So we have designated, we call them Devo periods that are built uh, really for, for just that. And so he's getting a, a lot of work in our offense and uh, he does a good job taking the, taking those reps and getting the most out of them. All right, let's turn the page and look at the game against USC. The uh, Bud Light tailgate show begins at 630. The Bears against the Trojans from the Coliseum in LA. Uh, USC is in the hunt for the championship. They're seven and one overall. They've got one league loss in the final minute at Utah, 43 to 42. And similar to Oregon, they're averaging over 40 points a game. Explosive offense, Heisman Trophy candidate with Caleb Williams, the transfer uh, from Oklahoma, whose NIL deal is about $2 million. So uh, maybe the best team money can buy down there at USC when you look at some of their players, but that's just the way of the world right now. First of all, talk about him. How does he or does he at all compare to what you saw this last week with a guy like Bo Nix? Uh, the, the similar traits are they're both excellent athletes. They're both uh, not just willing, but talented runners and strong, um, very hard. Even when people uh, get their, you know, get their hands on him, it doesn't mean he just goes down. And, you know, similar to, to uh, Bo Nix, as we saw. Um, so they're really good runners and they're not just running quarterback. Caleb's not a running quarterback. He's a talented passer. And I think his decision making, how quick he can get the ball out, uh, the accuracy and then the ability to run and run that offense is, uh, you know, that there's a reason they're scoring 43 a game or whatever it is. Yeah, an incredible 24 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, it's just mind boggling. Sometimes that's tough to do on seven on sevens. It's, it's like a layup drill, you know, and, and he's been really good at keeping plays alive. You mentioned his scrambling ability. They're really only close win, I guess you'd have to say, was the game at Oregon State. They came from behind in the last minute, one at 17 to 14. And, and I'm watching that game. It's like, He's like a dancer out there with his feet. He gets close to a guy and then he steps back and then he goes to the right and the left and, and the guy can't get a good good hit on the, on him. So it just is really problematic to try to get him on the ground. And he's got weapons, as you've already mentioned. Jordan Addison, not sure if he'll play this week. He missed the Arizona game. Uh, but this guy was the Bolitnikoff Award winner last year at Pitt. And Travis Dye, I mean, you've seen him three straight years. And in the three games that you played Oregon, he was the leading rusher for the Ducks. And now he's at USC averaging almost 100 yards a game. So talk about their skill position, guys, and what you have to do to maybe slow them down. Yeah, a lot of influx uh, players, as you mentioned, from different places who are talented. And, you know, the way their offense is built, they, you know, create isolations, whether it's in the run game uh, and or this perimeter game or screen game. So even if, you know, when you, you fit it right, it's one for one. You know, there's not a – you don't see a lot of people that get those guys in – two-on-one or three-on-one tackles. Like you got to make some tackles that are one-on-one -on -one because that's how the offense is built is to get some guys isolated and create space for them. So um, they are very good at skill positions and a um, number of tailbacks. And you mentioned uh, Die and uh, Jones from up here, transferred in from Stanford. And, 
the receivers that they've added. Um, so very talented group. And it'll be, a again, a great test for, for our guys on defense. And uh, you always want to challenge yourself against the best. And these are some of the best. No question about it. Defensively, one thing they've been able to hang their hat on is taking the ball away. They've got 13 picks. Most of those came early in the season, but they've only turned it over once. So they got an incredible turnover ratio. And Tui, Tui Pelotu is their outstanding pass rusher. He's got seven and a half sacks. He's got the 12, 13 tackles for losses. Uh, you'd have to do anything special with him? Yeah, Tui's a really good player. We recruited Tui very hard. Um, and he's done a, a great job for him. Yeah. You mentioned the negative plays they create. He's a big part of that. He's an explosive guy. He can play really nine technique, you know, stand up outside guy. He can play all the way down to a nose. He can play off the ball at a linebacker position. So he's very versatile, uh, powerful guy. And uh, yeah, he is a, a big part of the disruption that they cause up front. And, and then, as you mentioned, they're, they're doing a great job taking the ball away. Uh, the interceptions and some, you know, bunch of return yardage as well. So we have to do a great job uh, identifying the, the front. And then when we are in the pass game and we make sure we're solid in protection and, and the ball is going to the right spot on time. So, you know, you're not risking those tip balls or late throws. Yeah, they have given up some points the last couple of games against Utah and Arizona. So you probably have to score some points this week to, to beat the Trojans. Before we let you go, uh, speaking of big, powerful young men, Ricky Correa will join us momentarily on the podcast. Uh, your nose tackle, um, significant improvement from a year ago. He's playing more, obviously, this year uh, and doing a good job. D describe you know, his play this year and uh, maybe a little bit about him off the field as well. Yeah, I think Ricky's getting better and better. Uh, we have high hopes for Rick. He's a big guy. Um, he's still physically uh, developing as a young guy. Um, he has good feet. and I think it's, you know, continuing on the trajectory that he's on. Um, he shows flashes of being really good. It's just the consistency at this point. And I think he's gotten better and better. And we're going to keep pushing him. Andrew Browning has done a great job with him. And like I said, high hopes for, for Ricky. He uh, came in from, uh, you know, he and Jeremiah were, were teammates over there in Fresno. And uh, just been a – he's a – a great guy to be around. He's a great teammate. Everybody uh, really enjoys Ricky. He's a popular guy on the team. Um, he is a, like I said, he's still growing into his body. I mean, he's a big guy and he's kind of trimmed down a little bit, but he does have good feet and um, a, a great guy to coach. And so now we're just looking for him to build consistency with the, that, you know, high level play that we've seen flashes of. Yeah. He's one of those guys you'd like to be first off the bus, you know, yeah. Bring him out first, and then you set the tone for the rest of the guys. No question about it. Look forward to his conversation in moment, moments from now. Coach, we appreciate your time. Good luck. Uh, we'll talk to you before the ball game, and uh, go beat the Trojans. All right. Thanks, Todd. Joining us now is uh, Ricky Correa, the starting nose tackle, defensive tackle, depending on how the Bears will line up on the first play of any given game. But the interior lineman, I guess we'll call Ricky, who is uh, having a good year this year, playing a lot more than he has in years past. And and Ricky, as you get ready for the USC Trojans, just give us a little, uh, maybe grade yourself, how things have gone for you so far this year. Um, I feel like for me, this this year has really been uh, surprising for me, honestly, because coming off in injury last year, you know, playing in the cast and stuff, it was kind of my first year being back healthy. And plus I shedded like 30 pounds in the offseason, so it was good to – kind of go out there with my new body and kind of just see how it feels and stuff. And it's just been overall great, you know, 
just playing out there with the guys and just, you know, making some plays and just doing what I'm asked, you know, at the best of my ability. It's just been just been all out fun. You know, I couldn't ask for anything else. You uh, as we as we take this interview, I've just finished my dinner that consisted of some broccoli, some risotto and uh, chicken Parmesan. What the, what's dinner going to be for you tonight? Oh, that sounds like a great, uh, great balanced meal. Um, <laughs> tonight, I don't know, man. I was thinking about getting some wings. I, I was feeling, you know, we had a we had a hard practice today, so I was thinking about getting picking up some wings. You know, kind of kind of fill back up, get ready for tomorrow. That's that my sounds go-to, good. My go to meal after you know a hard day, some uh, good wing stop. Good, good. When uh, you're not having training table, what uh, what's it like for you? to try to either maintain your 330, 335, or make sure you keep it below 335. What do you like to eat when you're not in training table? Um, So usually, you know, I just try to, if I'm maintaining my weight, which I'm doing right now in season, you know, just trying to stay around the 335, 330 range. Um, I eat a lot of Chipotle, you know, during the day, kind of just uh, get some balanced meals in there here and there. And then uh, I'm a big chicken and rice guy. So chicken, rice, and veggies. You know, any sort of variation of that, that's kind of my go-to. You know, it's easy to cook and it's easy, you know, to eat all the time. And it's easy to meal prep because, you know, we got a, got a lot on our plate. So cooking is not ideal, you know, but <laughs> at the end of the day, we got to do it. So, yeah, just chicken, rice, and veggies here and there and then mix it up. That's my go-to, really. You and I could share a diet then. I mean, I, yeah, I love chicken definitely. and rice. I just love it. Yeah. Man, man, it's nothing like it. no. You have it, you know, you can change the sauce up, you know, that's the key. You know, a lot of people <laughs> just go with uh teriyaki sauce or barbecue sauce, but you know, I kind of try to make some marinades here and there. Learn from my mom, she was a big cooker in the house, and you know, she made some really good chicken recipes. So, I just if I'm feeling you know, kind of bummed out, don't know what to cook, I just call her up and just <laughs> tell her to give me some new ideas. <laughs> What did you do to lose the 30 pounds or so uh, before this year? Um, so uh, coming back from break, I had already uh, started a little bit of training at home with my uh, trainer, Trevon Jones. We did a little bit, you know, just to kind of get my wind back going and stuff after, you know, taking a little bit off because of the break we had off the after season. And then coming back to Berkeley, I just talked to the strength coaches, you know, made a plan into like, uh, you know, how hard I'm going to be working out every day and doing a little bit extra and plus just making some small changes to my diet. Like, you know, instead of eating wing slop every, you know, every two days, you know, just have it, have it once a week as a reward, you know? So just kind of, you know, eat, I can still eat what I want, but you know, the bad things have to be in moderation. That's kind of a, a thing I had to learn pretty fast, you know, in order for me to drop those 30 pounds. So that's what it's really been. It hasn't been like a strict diet or anything, but Just, you know, bad things in moderation and more good things than bad things. Earlier in the week, uh, we had Halloween. Um, did you and your roommates participate at all in Halloween? Uh, no, we didn't participate at all, but it was good to see. You know, I came home and I seen all the kids running around and stuff. And I wish I had some candy to give it to them because, you know, I'm a real, I'm a real nice guy and stuff. But it was cool to see all the kids and stuff out, like, you know, because Halloween seems like it's like a you know, tradition that's kind of going away year after year with the pandemic and stuff. So it was good to see that, honestly. Everything's back in the swing of things. And, you know, I had a little bit of candy. I'm a Snickers okay. guy, honestly. It's my favorite candy. So Did you, did you say Snickers? Snickers, yeah, that's my go-to. Dude, Snickers, <laughs> chicken, rice, and veggies, 
we got to hang out some more because that's always do. been we my definitely favorite. <laughs> definitely, definitely. What's it? Uh, you went to high school, Central High School in Fresno. Yes, sir. You were teammates with Jeremiah Hunter. Yes, sir. That made it to the state championship game. What was it like uh, watching Jeremiah play in high school? Uh, man, I was you know, just a special thing to see in high school. You know, he was none short but amazing. You know, he would make some catches and some plays that would just literally have you speeches and speechless. And honestly, we just all knew that every time he stepped out on the field, he was just going to make a play. And uh, I was just glad to, you know, be out there with him and I'm not be on the opposing team because some of those <laughs> some of those catches he were making was just like, if I was on defense and I turned around and seen that, I would just kind of, you know, lose my self-esteem. But it was just <laughs> glad to have him on the same team as me. And he's making those plays for us. And it was just great. We had a very great team that year and yep. some very good coaches. So we were able to mesh together really well and kind of just, you know, keep stacking wins until we got 15 and made it to the state championship, which was a surprise for us at first. But we all knew that at the end of the day, if we worked hard enough, we could get there. So, yeah. Who made the decision to commit to Cal first? Uh, so the funny thing is me and Jeremiah, uh, we really didn't have a relationship off the field until um, we both had ended up at a Cal visit together on an unofficial visit our junior day. Hmm. And then we kind of, you know, hit it off here talking about schools and stuff. And we were talking and he was just like, man, I feel like, you know, this might be might be home for me. And I was kind of thinking the same thing because Cal was, you know, on the front of my mind at the time, too. So when he committed, I want to say a couple months after our visit over summer, I kind of just knew that, you know, that's where I wanted to be because, you know, I had a fellow teammate and a good person, you know, just just to be up here with. So I wouldn't be up here, you know, going through that big change alone. So once he, you know, committed, I was all in, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks right after him. So that was, that was, you know, a crazy thing to see, but it was good for both of us. You know, one of the one of the things, in addition to his athletic ability that I like about Jeremiah and I respect about him, he's he's a very much a yes, sir. No, sir. Very respectful of his elders. Um, has he always been that way? Because he must have had a good uh, you know upbringing so that he shows that respect to everybody. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, his uh, his family is like, you know, a great family. You know, I've had a, I've had an opportunity to get real close with them, you know, being here. You know, staying with Jeremiah and stuff and, you know, just being around them. He has a great family. You know, he comes from great people. They're, they're very, you know, just nice, orientated people. Yeah, they just want the best interest for everyone. So, yeah, that's, you know, shout out to his parents for making him that way. And shout out to Jeremiah for, you know, staying that way because you know how things could change really, yeah. really quickly out here. So that's just a great thing to see. And I just love every every single one of them and him as well. You know, those are my uh, my people. You know, that's why I call them my people. So, yeah, good people. That's for sure. Definitely. So you had to play. You had to try to play last year with a cast on. Mm -hmm. You've had wrist problems, which is kind of impossible to play defensive line with a bad wrist. Yeah. Play yeah. one handed. I mean, I just can't imagine you having to do that. Mm -hmm. So this year you've been fully healthy. The D line, for whatever reasons, had some injury hits. Um, you know, Stanley, not with the, the squad uh, this year. Hopefully he'll be back in in uh, January. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Brett Johnson, Calhoun. I mean, we, we get on the line, uh, Wilkins. So it's given you more opportunity. Well, what have you learned about yourself this year, having gotten more playing time? Um, The biggest thing for me is just kind of, you know, being able to step up when I'm needed. You know, once some of those guys went down, I knew, you know, that I would just have to step into the role that, that was needed of me. And you're talking to Browning and stuff, it's, 
it was a, a long thing coming for me, you know, to finally get in there and make some plays and stuff. But it was just really up to me, you know, to be out there and play my technique well, play the blocks well, and just go out there and have fun and fly around and just be big. You know, that's what Brownie tells me before every game, be big out there because at the end of the day, that's a great asset for me. So just kind of being out there, I'm learning each more, like I'm learning more and more each game. And, you know, just, just the speed of the game and stuff, I'm just learning to – you know, adjust my play style and adjust my technique to some of these different schemes and stuff. And it's just been, it's just been fun to grow as a player, honestly. That's the biggest thing for me, the growth every week. And every day I come out here to practice, I just want to get better at something. And in the games, I want to leave the game, you know, a little bit better at something I was struggling with during the week. So that was just my main thing. And that's what keeps me motivated every day. You're at one of those positions where on every play, you're either hitting somebody or they're hitting you. Mm-hmm. And, and and being in the middle, it can come from the left, it can come from the right, it can come from just about anywhere. Give us a, a little feel for what that is like on any given play. Uh, man, it's uh, it can get real tough out there, you know, because most of the time, you know, you're taking on two, you know, 300 pound men, but you know, there's uh, there's a way to defeat that within the technique and stuff and all the all the things Browning teaches us. So. Instead of worrying about, you know, how am I going to defeat these two grown men pushing on me and stuff, I just kind of resort back to my technique and what I could do to defeat this double team and kind of just play my keys. That's the biggest thing, because if you're out of focus and you're not looking at what you're supposed to be looking at, you can get hit in the side of the head pretty quick and it could just go downhill from that. So it's just kind of important to just go out there and play your play your keys and, you know, just have good technique. So, yeah. You know, when I look at the quarterback you're going to have to face this week, Caleb Williams of USC. Mm-hmm. And he's similar to a lot of guys you've seen so far this year in that they're very mobile. You know, had Jaden Delora uh, at Arizona. We had Cam Ward at Washington State, mm-hmm. Bo Nix last week. I mean, what's it like trying to chase these guys around? Because at any given time, they're just they go back to pass and boom, they're out of the pocket. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because I actually refer to I refer to that as chasing a cat, honestly, because <laughs> cats are hard to catch if you've ever been trying to catch a cat for yeah. some reason. You know, you can find it pretty hard to catch them once once they get going. So those guys just have a lot of a lot of reflexes. You know, they're able to see you pretty fast and they're able to make decisions right on a dime. So the biggest thing, honestly, for those for those kind of quarterbacks, you know, is just getting them pressured on every play because, you know, you could pressure on one play here and there and he'll be able to deal with it. But if he's having to deal with constant pressure, some of those decisions he's going to make down the line aren't going to be as good. And we can just get him to, you know, make a bad throw or slip and fumble or something, you know, anything we can to just try to get the upper edge. So, yeah, it's just been, it's just been a, you know, a tough one trying to corral these guys. But once we're able to figure it out, you know, we've been good at it. So that's an, that's a big thing for us going into this week. Well, uh, catch up to them, cage them, whatever it has to do. Get them on the ground and get after the Trojans this week. Um, try to make it two in a row over USC. Yeah, Beat them in the yeah, final game last a, year, right? Yeah. yeah, that was a fun game last year. You know, last year the, we had the, the COVID stuff and all that and being able to, you know, gain that game getting that game back was a big thing for our seniors and all that. So we just went out there and played for them. And to be able to finish, you know, that year off with a win when we really, really needed it was just good to see. And, yeah, we were just hoping to do the same thing this week. When we we know we could beat these guys. We just got to, you know, focus in on what we're supposed to do and just go out there and play our best football. 
coming from Fresno, you're you're kind of sort of equal distance between mm-hmm. Cal and Los Angeles. This will be your first trip to the Coliseum, I assume, as a player, right? Yes, sir. Yep. It'll also be, or could very well be, the final game for Cal at the Coliseum with USC going to the Big Ten Conference in a couple of years. Have you guys talked about that at all, or is this just kind of another game on the schedule? Um, It's kind of been, you know, just like me and my roommates have kind of talked about, you know, going to play at the Coliseum, the history behind that and that stadium. You know, we, we kind of just – that's, that's a fun thing to do. We rank all the best stadiums in the that we play against, you know, the, the away games and stuff. And so far, Notre Dame has taken the cake for me yeah. personally. But I know this will be a good game because I grew up, you know, watching Reggie Bush and stuff and, uh, you know, just watching games out of the historical games that came out of the Coliseum is just going to be crazy. You know, the step foot out there and just realize that I'm actually living my childhood dream. You know, I just was watching this not too long ago on TV, and here I am playing on this field. So it's kind of surreal in a way, but, you know, you learn to shake that off and kind of get focused back on the game. So you had to have watched that game where Reggie Bush went nuts against Fresno at the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. That was was quite a show. That was one of the great performances I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that was was crazy. You know, uh, I actually – one of my dad's close friends coached on that Fresno uh, Fresno State team that uh, that year, and uh, he always, you know, comes over and he tells me he was just like, "Man, that was just the craziest game we've ever been a, a part of. The atmosphere and just, you know, how big of a game he had really impacted, you know, the other team. So for someone to do that, just kind of historical, you know. So that was just that was just crazy to me hearing those stories growing up, and then like I said, you know, being there and going to be there on Saturday playing. Playing in primetime, 7.30 is just going to be, you know, a surreal experience, but I can't wait for it because it's everything I've been dreaming for. It sounds like uh, I got to tell you a quick story. My brother played high school football back in western Pennsylvania, and that's where we grew up. Mm -hmm. And his junior year, no, his senior year, they played a team called Hopewell. And they had this really, really highly regarded sophomore running back who was a phenom that was just breaking onto the scene. And I can remember. My brother saying, you know, after the first play, I thought we had this guy in control. We, we hit him in the backfield for a three-yard loss, <laughs> and then he proceeded to score five touchdowns against yeah. us. And the guy's name was Tony Dorsett. Oh, uh, Tony Dorsett? <laughs> yeah. so that sounds like – I mean, he and Reggie Bush were a lot alike in that they were loose, they were fast. They weren't the biggest guys in the world, so – when I remember that game, Fresno State and Reggie Bush, I hearken back to my brother telling me about playing against Tony Dorsett before anybody really knew who Tony Dorsett was from Little Hope. Yeah, Weller. that's, that's yeah. some of those some of those guys were sleepers, you know, and they just emerged on the scene. So that was kind of that's kind of crazy to me as well. Yeah, just seeing those guys just be you know be great players in college after you know having a quiet high school career is just is just wild to me. You know, you got guys just asking where do they find this guy, but. Yeah. You can find dudes everywhere. That's what that shows. No question about it. Well, the Bears are glad they found you in Fresno Central (laughs) High School. They're glad you're in the middle of that defense. We wish you all the best of luck this week against the USC Trojans. Get a sack or two against Caleb Williams. And more than anything else, get the victory over the Trojans. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. This has been a great experience. Appreciate it. Definitely. You betcha. Ricky Correa, defensive tackle for the Bears as they take on the USC Trojans. A reminder. We'll have the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at 6.30, the Bears against USC. Until then, I'm Todd McKim. Thank you very much for listening to us on this week's podcast. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears.
Go Bears. This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the California Golden Bears Sports Network.